0: hey whiskey ringers welcome to another episode of the whiskey ring podcast today we are returning to uncle nearest distillery and seems like i can't can't stay away but today we're joined by victoria butler the master blender is that still correct that is correct all right victoria welcome thanks so much for coming on
1: thank you thank you i appreciate the opportunity to be with you today
0: wonderful so um as i was saying to you before we started recording uh Uncle Nearest, No Stranger to the Whiskey Ring podcast. We've had uh, Clay on to talk briefly about his original story. I've uh, had Clay and Fawn on for a retrospective on where Uncle Nearest has been since its inception and before to today. Um, so today I really want to focus on, on your story and on uh, the whiskey itself. So okay. let's start with, you know, uh, how you found your way to Uncle Nearest.
1: Well, um, I've actually always known about um, the history of nearscream, my great great grandfather. But how I joined the team was through conversations with Fawn. Um, I was approaching retirement from my previous career, and of course, Fawn knew that. And so she and I had a conversation, and um, I-, I couldn't say no. You know, I. <laughs> Uh, There was no way that I was going to pass up the opportunity to uh, help cement my great, great grandfather's legacy in history. And, you know, there's not very many people who who are given that opportunity, especially knowing that Nearest's legacy lay dormant for more than 160 plus years. So um, it was an easy yes for me.
0: During uh, those conversations with Fong, because she seems, so, I guess I can say she, not even she seems, she is a very persuasive person. Um, was there kind of one critical point that you were like, OK, I'm definitely going in, whereas before you were a little on the fence or were you all in from the start?
1: No, no. Um, the 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 I wasn't hesitant really about being a part of the team. Um but I wasn't sure if I was quite ready to pull the plug on my previous career. Um, You know, 31 years, I was comfortable. You know, I think I'd done some good work there. Um, But again, knowing that I would be working alongside others who were dedicated to um, ensuring that Nearest's legacy lived on. And then, you know, Fawn is um, extremely genuine and very hardworking, uh, totally committed to furthering Nears Green's legacy. And during those conversations, it was apparent to me that there was no other place that I needed to be.
0: It's, it's good to hear, I guess. Um, so, and you already said you were, you had known about your great, great grandfather's legacy. Uh, seemingly throughout your life, um, but also at the same time that that legacy had largely lain dormant. So um, the original question I was going I was planning to ask was you know, how aware were you of the heritage? but instead, um, had you, you know, had anyone else in in his descendants kind of thought about resurrecting his legacy in this way before this distillery's incarnation?
1: Well, you know, there were uh, always talks about we should dig deeper into who Nears was and and what his contribution was. But far as making an active uh, movement towards that, um, not to my knowledge, not anyone in the family ever uh, actively started any research. So uh, while we knew, we certainly learned more with Fawn's research and the her, her research team than I had ever known. Um basically what I was told you know my whole life by my grandmother, my uh, th- my grandmother is near Green's granddaughter. So I I what she passed on to us was her grandfather taught Jack Daniel how to make whiskey. Now once Fawn came along and unearthed much more than that is when I got the full scope of nearest's contribution not just to uh the jack daniel brand but to the spirits industry as a whole and so uh our family you know we knew but far as jumping in to to do what fawn um was able to do no one ever you know um took steps to make that happen
0: gotcha and uh as i've as I've heard too, the legacy in a way was carried on, in, in a certain way through your Gregory grandfather's descendants, always working at the Jack Daniel's distillery. Is that correct? That there was always someone yeah, from the generation. All
1: the, yeah, all the years that Jack has been in existence, there has always been a green on on property. There has never been any Jack Daniel whiskey made without a green's involvement.
0: And it's really incredible. And it's um, it's almost comparable to how in you know on the other side of the state border, every distillery kind of has a beam involved.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Jack, it's now the you know, it's the biggest selling American whiskey in the in the world. It's uh-huh. it's bourbon, but we won't get into that. Um but it was that's just a fascinating thing. It's we spoke about this a little bit. With with Fawn and Clay, but um it seems like it's a it's a legacy that was very well known to obviously to his family, to you, to the people local to uh Lynchburg in that area in Tennessee, but uh writ large, you know, outside of even that area of Tennessee and Kentucky, that it wasn't well known. No, all. it wasn't. And do you think that was a f- function uh, to put it bluntly, of the fact that it was. a a black man who had taught a white man how to distill and that just the, the racial politics of America holding that legacy back? Or was it also something that for whatever reason, just kind of went under the radar?
1: You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, there's, you know, all these years, even before Fawn came to, to, to Lynchburg, before she arrived in Lynchburg, there had been, you know, um, opinions and um, thought given to why it wasn't ever uh, shared. And, and honestly, I, I don't know why. There, there I'm sure are a number of reasons, but as um, Jeffrey Wright uh, so beautifully put it in the film that he did for us um, a few years ago, it's just complicated. Uh, uh, the reason why the story ri- went missing, um, I, I have no idea, but I do know this, that it did not go missing under Jack Daniels watch when his family was there, um, after the distillery, when they were in, in charge of things, um, the story was alive and well. So, um, I, I, I can speak to that p- part of it, but after that, I don't know that that's going to be a question that you have with someone outside of the uncle Nears, um, premium whiskey brand at some point, David.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so with that, I think it's a perfect uh, time to move into, let's talk about the, well, actually, sorry, before we talk about the whiskey, um, the second half of your transition into this. So Fawn convinces you, or I think convince is a little strong. It seems like you were easily convinced to come on. I was,
1: the I was, and, uh, and you've, you've talked to Fawn. Um, yeah. Not very many people say no to her.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: and 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 with this one, it it, it was it was easily easy for me to say yes, uh, given that the brand had already launched and um, given who Fawn Weaver is and who her husband Keith are, you know, it's just um, it was easy to say yes. It really was Mm -hmm. the the family piece um, coupled with her being so genuine and, um, transparent, uh, it was easy for me to say yes.
0: Absolutely. So you're convinced to come over the team starts up. Um, are you immediately thrust into the master blender role?
1: No, I am not. Uh, when I joined the team, it was in an administrative role. Um, before our brand launched in 2017, uh, there were several things that Fawn already had in in the works in regards to Near Screen. And one of the initiatives was the Near Screen Foundation. And that foundation was put into place to support Near Screen's college-age descendants moving forward. Um, so they wouldn't have a financial burden burden rego- going to college. And so um, this the foundation pays for all of um tuition books fees everything related to to their classes and i um came on board and one of my primary duties at that time was the director of administration over the near screen foundation now i still have the beautiful honor to uh have that that position as well but in May of 2019, Fawn asked me to blend the first batch of uh, Uncle Near's 1884 small batch. Now I had been on the team about 60 days or so when we had the conversation about me doing that and um, blended the first batch in May. It hit the market in July of 2019. And right out the gate, we started winning awards with it. And so she asked me to blend the second batch and I did. And thankfully the the awards and the accolades, they kept coming and the consumers uh, really uh, uh, gravitated to the 1884 really quickly. It it became one of our um, favorites, you know, uh, very quickly, just almost like our 1884, just right out. I mean, our 1856 rather right out the gate. So um, shortly thereafter, I was elevated to to Master Blender, and I have blended every every batch of our 1884s since then.
0: And I remember, so you were saying this uh, comes out in July 2019, uh, in, I believe, October of that year, so just three months later, uh, I attended a Flaviar event hosted by Flaviar in New York City, and they had both the 1856 and the 1884 there. And they were saying at that time, it was fairly new, it was brand new. um, And I do remember trying it and I kind of been hooked onto the story ever since. And uh, so that makes sense as to why it was so close. Um, So my, you know, my first question with that is, so you came from a previous career in the department of justice, the legal sphere um, and then go to administration, and then over to blending. Um, how did you prepare yourself to 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 blend when when that had never been really your your sphere?
1: Well, um, it wasn't a lot of preparation to be honest, David. I um, when I said yes to joining the team, I started studying in regards to the language just be- so I could at least hold an intelligent conversation about uh whiskey about the spirits you know and so um blending that was a whole different arena and so um i spoke to others um that had blended and got a lot of support of course from fawn and our team members and um I, I, i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure in regards to Well, I am sure, but it sounds crazy to most folks, but I I do believe and know and trust that whiskey is just in my blood. There is no other way to explain what I've been able to accomplish otherwise. I came from a whole different realm after 31 years of service in a whole different field to jump into blending whiskey um, and have blended award-winning whiskey. Mm-hmm. In less than 60 days on the team and are about 60 days being on the team. And. Um, For as preparation, I guess I just leaned into my lineage and um, with Fawn having so much confidence in me and the other team members that very first day uh, were in the room. Um, I went in with the ball of nerves. And halfway through the blending process that all dissipated and, um, confidence bubbled to the top. And since then I've just been rocking and rolling. Fawn didn't even come to the second blending session and she's not been to one since.
0: It's a mark of confidence if I've ever heard one.
1: Yeah. So there was no room for failure when you are surrounded by that much confidence. And positive energy. Um, And just, you know, reaching back to times when I've done other hard things and pulling from that strength as well. There was just no room for failure. And um, thankfully, uh, that confidence is um, not arrogance by any means, but I am fully confident now in my skill set. Um, but I will tell you that I am a a, a student of my craft. I want to uh, learn more. Uh, I certainly don't do not know everything. Um, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunities um, to reach out to others who have more experience than I do, and so I'm I'm just a continuous student of this beautiful craft that I didn't see coming. I
0: mean, so. Uh, before sorry I I realized I skipped over one step in the process which was before even having the first conversation with fun were you a whiskey drinker before then
1: yeah I I drank whiskey not a lot Um, my favorites uh, then were um, makers mark and E.H. Taylor so I I drank some but my my go-to was a cold beer and I still like a cold beer I just don't drink any other whiskey other than Uncle Nearest now.
0: That's totally fair. I'm I'm mostly a whiskey drinker myself at this point, but uh, going to a baseball game later and it's just a place for a beer, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so uh, I really wanted to dive even more deeply into the blending because I'm fascinated by blending in general. Um, people who've listened to the podcast are like, Oh God, here he goes again. But it's uh, what, um, taking in the knowledge that you did, you know, jumping in headfirst, what was your blending process and has it changed?
1: It has not changed. Um, The, the one thing that I went in with um, was the notion of that, of the finish. I have tasted a lot of whiskey in my 60 years of living. Right. Um, And the, the one thing that has typically turned me off from whiskey uh, was the finish. The strong burn and um, uh, pungent aftertaste is what always turned me off. And so when I went in to blend the 1884, the, the, the thought was, Victoria, the, 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 the finish has to be good. It is, it's going to be a 93 proof whiskey. You want it to be lasting, uh, in regards to the finish, but you don't want it to be strong and and pungent. And so that was my thought then. And that is my thought now. And I hope that you will agree that when you drink the, the 1884 small batch, the finish is some of the finest you'll have. I
0: would agree. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very drinkable finish. And I,
1: yes.
0: I was, I was going to use the word smooth and I know some people hesitate to use that word, but
1: I like smooth. Um, it's smooth. Yeah,
0: it's, it's fine. And I know some since whiskey said,
1: folks are like, Oh, that's not a word to use when you're talking about whiskey, but I disagree.
0: I, I me too. And, and especially since, as, as you said, you're before Oracle Nearest, uh, you were, your go-tos were, you know, makers, Mark and NEA Shaler, especially with makers. It's a very smooth, whiskey from it start is, to finish. especially
1: the the 46 yeah that was my that was my go-to and um it it was a good whiskey it still is a good whiskey uh a mm-hmm. bourbon and so i i you know those were the ones that i enjoyed and so um the finish on those are, are fantastic and so that's what i wanted the finish to be on 84
0: makes sense to me and with so, uh, but that's with the blending process. And then of course you and, and the team have been very open about the fact that, uh, until the masters blend, which of course we'll get to a little bit later, um, that before then the products, the liquid itself had been sourced and then, uh, worked with by the uncle nearest team, uh, without asking you to, to, you know, officially divulge anything like that about the sourcing, uh, I'm curious what the process was in terms of, you know, wh- at what point did the source liquid come in, like, you know, fresh off the still kind of thing? Was it already barreled versus uh, what you did with it, you know, yeah. during its time at Uncle Nearest?
1: It, it, it was barreled uh, and I, I, I taste a uh, sample rather and blend at barrel proof. And then um, it's proofed down
0: to 93. Oh, okay. So uh, do you do um, kind of a all at once uh, proofing down or slow process? Or... Slow
1: process. All
0: right. That's what I'd like to hear. Yeah. I was trying not process. to leave there, but I'd love to hear. Um, so uh, again, without asking to divulge, I'm being very careful uh-huh. about my wording here. Um, the... Consensus, let's say, is that the source was not Jack Daniels. It was not. Brown
1: it was definitely not.
0: <laughs> it was definitely not. Um, but I did want to ask, given the the obvious connection, perhaps this is an obvious question. Um, was there ever discussion of Jack Daniels being the source of the of the initial whiskey batches?
1: Um, well, again, you know, the the brand was was already launched when I joined the team. Now, since I've been a part of Uncle Nearest since um, 2019, no, that was not a discussion. I, th- I think there was an offer. Um, um, I would have to, you know, confirm that with Fawn. But to my knowledge, um, I know that it wasn't a, it was never a consideration by Fawn Weaver. I do know that. Mm-hmm.
0: And of course, I, I, I could see you, you understand why I'm asking that question. Oh yeah. It, yeah. You know, it, it makes Clarifici- total sense.
1: Clarification and transparency is a good thing. We have never uh, kept it a secret that our, our whiskey was sourced. I mean, we came out the gate in 2017 with, um, with an eight to 14 year old whiskey. So naturally it wouldn't be, it would be sourced. It wouldn't be ours. Uh, now I am grateful that we do now have our own whiskey in the bottle. Uh, with with, you know, um, with it being um, a mature and and beautiful whiskey to drink. But when we started, it was all sourced and we have never kept that a secret. And um, but but the source was never Jack Daniel.
0: Fair enough. And with. uh, Again, I know you you weren't there at the very beginning, but since you've been blending uh, and before the Masters blend, so you're. You're working with a whiskey that's it's barreled, it's coming in uh, already barreled and, and in some ways kind of ready to, to age and ready to just be there for a while until it's ready. Aside from the finish, in terms of the taste profile itself, let's say the core nose and palate profile, was there a profile when you came in that was being targeted or was that something that you could kind of work off to say, you know, this is the profile that I want to work towards?
1: it was me, uh, because we didn't have 1884. Uh, I did the first batch. And so, um, the profile, the palette, it is all me. Um, I was given the space and the, the, uh, liberty to do what I wanted to do with that. And, um, from the very beginning. So it's, it's always been just me. And it's fantastic. So, uh,
0: may seem obvious, but you said your previous drinkers have been Makers Neish Taylor. Were you, how much of that, of your previous whiskey experience as a, as a consumer uh, went into the profile that you wanted to create that would hold your great-great-grandfather's name?
1: Well, um, it really, I've, it was the finish in regards to that. Um, the other thing uh, after getting my footing in regards to blending, and 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 getting um more comfortable with what i was doing it was all uh, of it you know the, the 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 nose the palate the whole thing um oddly enough my start has um continued um as you know with the with small batch it doesn't have to be um um consistent in flavor or or, or uh or finish or anything you know it the the profiles don't don't have to be consistent, but um, I, it pretty much has been, and so that that just comes from I think um, once the stage was set um, in regards to the the 1884, all of the the profile, the palette, the everything uh, is just kind of what I stuck uh, stuck to because uh, we found a sweet spot when Nearest was doing. Making whiskey, uh, it came off as ninety-two to ninety-five. We settled on the sweet spot of ninety-three. Um, the consumers like that, and um, it is close to what nearest did. So we honor that, and so we've just kept with that. And and oddly enough, it is the flavor has has uh, continued to be consistent.
0: Whiskey Ring Podcast is proudly sponsored by Impex Beverages. Impex imports premium and rare whiskey, gin, rum, mezcals, liqueurs, and cordials from all over the world, from Scotland to Japan, to Israel, Belgium, and Wales. Whether it's Kilhoman, Penderin, Port Escaig, Ohishi, Fukano, MH, Ardenamirkin, Black Tot, and more, there's guaranteed to be something in the Impex portfolio you'll love. Impex also oversees some of the most prestigious independent bottlers in the game, including Single Malts of Scotland, Single Cast Nation, Adelphi Selection, and its own Impex collection. Take a look at their site, impexbev.com, or reach out if you're curious about their offerings. I'm proud to have many of their bottles on my shelves and love sharing them with friends whenever I can. Thank you to Sam and to the team for joining the Whiskering Podcast as guest and sponsor. And that's, it's, that's something to note a little bit. And I want to just touch on that a little bit more because I said it's small batch. doesn't have to be consistent. No. Um, A lot of, I'll generalize this very confidently. A lot of brands will, will aim for their small batches to be consistent despite them being different batches um, consistent to the point of not putting out a batch if it's not right on target. Right. Um, But that doesn't, it sounds like what you're saying is that it's not a hundred percent, the same each time but it's close enough that it still honors that same profile that you're looking for.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um uh, the average drinker probably wouldn't even notice a difference. Folks who are true connoisseurs, um now that I am um ex- some experienced, I know a, I know that there's some difference. Um but the percentage is so minute that really is, it's, it's not noticeable, you know,
0: at the risk of causing a secondary market run. Do you, uh, have a favorite batch before the masters blend?
1: Um, actually, you know, once we started, uh, bottling our own juice, mm-hmm. that is my favorite. Um, uh, before our, our 1884 was seven year, it was a seven year old blend. Uh, now it's a four year old blend and it is the best whiskey we have put in the bottle.
0: And that's, that's I mean, let's, let's talk about it. Cause that's age statements are thankfully, I think becoming less of a concern.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and And if I, I don't have the bottles in front of me, unfortunately, but as far as I remember, the, the 1856, 1884 were, it was, it was known that they were a certain age of seven to to 14, depending on the the time and the batch, but they weren't specifically age stated. Is that correct? Correct.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: Um, And that in itself is something to note because you could easily have you after you joined. And then of course the team before you joined could have very easily thrown on that this was seven years old plus and maybe even commanded a higher price for it be, for that reason but past that um, with the master's blend so there's a four-year-old product so this is 20 so the master's blend was launched, was it so, launched the, like so, so
1: I was referring to the small batch uh, yes. but the master's blend is also a four-year-old uh, blend of Barrel proof whiskey. The eighteen eighty four oh, okay. small batch um, is ninety three proof. The proof on the Masters Blend, which we introduced last year on Juneteenth, that mm. was um, that is barrel proof whiskey. And so the proof on on that fluctuates. What we're what's what we have in the Welcome Center today is Batch thirteen, and it is one twenty two point five proof.
0: it's speaking my language right there. I'm, I'm a proof hound and and, very open about it. Um, It's
1: delicious. uh, It's delicious. You know, people, some people who don't like high proof whiskey that would scare them, but if they tasted it, I think they would change their mind because um, typically a high proof whiskey, you know, you think of it being so strong. Oh my goodness. But this whiskey is so good. And it's, it's four years old.
0: And so, the so it's four years old. It's you launched Juneteenth of last year. So, would have been distilled, let's say, 2017 ish around that time. Um, I know officially you're the master blender, but I do want to uh then go into the, the distillation apparatus at Uncle Nearest. Okay. Um, so the so that. Initial distillation, of course, just time wise happened before you were there. Right. But um, can you speak to how the how that setup happened? And, you know, if in any way it came from, uh, you know, either an uncle nearest specifically legacy of the man himself or, you know, how that distilling apparatus was chosen, I guess. Uh, Are
1: you talking about the 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 way we we decide to go with a, a continuous still or is that what you mean? I'm not yeah, following that, the question.
0: Sorry, that it was very that was very confusingly put. So um yeah it, you know how you decided on on your still uh on being a continuous still um like anything about the the size of the still or uh how you well that was really run.
1: decided on with the with the um uh, conversation and and kind of led by our, our director of whiskey operations Sherry Moore. Uh, I can't speak really to, to uh, all of that because um, I'm not sure exactly why Sherry did other than giving her experience at Jack mm-hmm. um, and instituting uh, the experience that she gained all those 31 years and implementing uh, those things here at, at, uh, at Uncle Nearest. Um, the selection of the steel, the, the column, all of that was done prior to me joining the team But I know that Sherry had, um, she has reasoning for doing that. And it was based on experience.
0: And you said she came from, from Jack. So,
1: yeah, um, yeah. She worked at Jack for, uh, 31 years and, um, worked her way up. She knows all things distillation and, and, um, fermentation, the whole nine yards.
0: And, Of course, not to put her out of a job, but um, have you had any interest in yourself going the distilling route or are you good where you are with the the blending? I'm good
1: where I am. I I am. (laughs) I'm good where I am. Um, You know, what what most people may not realize, and maybe they do, but um, distilling is more of a science and blending is more of an art. Um, That is how I look at it. Distilling takes more of the chemistry and all that and math into consideration. When you're blending, you're you're, you're really working off of um, certainly knowledge of of the distillation and what the all goes into that. But but especially in, in, when it comes to a small batch, mm-hmm. you get to create. Or I have the the liberty here at Uncle Nera's to kind of create what I wanted and. Um, you you don't, you don't often get that freedom when um blending whiskey so i'm good and and just in case no one told you david i am 60 years old and um while i enjoy learning and 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 plan to continue to learn as long as i have breath in my body um Distillation and becoming the master distiller. Is it's I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. That is not my greatest um, asset. I think I would be I am better served in the role that I'm in than in the distilling side.
0: Yeah, so now we have the, uh, not only the initial masters blend out, but several batches further. As you said, yeah, you have batch we're 13, on batch
1: 13 over here, uh, batch yeah. five is what started us with our own juice. Mm-hmm. And, um, it sells like crazy here at the distillery. That's the only place that it is available is at the nearest green distillery, mm-hmm. um, It is really, really good whiskey. When I was blending the 1884, I was finding these unique, um, beautiful barrels that I thought were um, good enough to stand alone without being reduced down, right? And so that is how the master's blend, master blend edition was birthed, was these very unique, um, phenomenal bar- barrels that I was tasting while blending the 1884. So the master blend edition is uncle Near's juice as well as the 1884 from start to finish. It is a barrel proof whiskey four years old, and it is just absolutely delicious.
0: I've been, uh, trying to get my hands on, on a bottle. There was It was an attendee of the conversation with Fawn and Clay that was going to try to help me, but due to the, you know, various legalities, just couldn't make it happen. Couldn't make
1: it happen. So David, where are you, where are you located?
0: I'm in uh, New York city.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have got to come visit, you know, for, for that and so many reasons, um, a trip to the nearest green distillery, I think is worth it for, for anyone who, um, desires to know more, of course, about my great great grandfather Nears Green, and then other things in Tennessee. We honor um, all things Tennessee: the Walking Horse, NASCAR, food, beverage. Um, mm-hmm. The history is all shared here, you know, at the at the distillery. And then we have just beautiful grounds here, and um, we're building out the longest bar in the world that will be open in a couple of months or so. And then we have the um, country's first non-alcoholic speakeasy here at the nearest Green Distillery. So um, you've gotta come, you've gotta come visit. You've gotta come get you a bottle of the master blend and have a conversation about um, all this good stuff that we have going on over here in Chevyville, Tennessee.
0: I I really want to, uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to, I'm going to Kentucky twice this year for two different events. And, uh, so my calendar is a little booked at the moment, but, um, no, I I really do want to come down to Tennessee visit. I'm a foodie too. So I, you know, I want to try everything in, in, I want to have like a real Nashville hot chicken, like really Nashville. Um, of course, uncle, Uncle Nearest Um, I've got to try the go to Jack as well because Jack Dana Barrel Proof is um, it's taking over Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Just as a side note, used to be my go-to everyday uh-huh. drinker. Um, again, high proof, it's, yeah. But um, slowly but surely, I've been realizing that the the Jack Single Barrel Barrel Proof has become my go-to more so, and. When I try the master blend, when I get a chance to do that, uh, from the notes that I've seen, from the friends that I've spoken to who have gotten to try it, uh, it sounds like that's going to be up there as well. So I've got to make sure I hit a couple of these. You know,
1: Absolutely, you
0: know, you guys and and the main guy main Absolutely. people there.
1: Um,
0: so we'll make it happen. Might be next year instead of this year, but we'll make it happen. But
1: we're not we're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, and that's hey, a yeah, good. Yeah, we're not going
1: anywhere. We're 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 here to stay. We are uh, continually, uh, continuously building out our distillery and, um, uh, bottling here and just making things happen. So we're not going anywhere. We'll be here when you get here.
0: Fantastic. Um, so, uh, to, to round it out, I'm, so you came on in, in 19, sorry, 2019, I was about to say
1: 1920.
0: Don't say that. No, 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 (laughs) no. Um, in 2019, and of course, within a year of you starting, the pandemic hits. Yes. Uh, so uh, as, a, as an Uncle Nearest team member and as the Master Blender, um, how did you and the team navigate the pandemic and, and how are you navigating it to this day?
1: Well, uh, we are pretty good at pivoting. Um, given the fact that, that we run at a, at a pretty rapid pace every day. Um, and we do it with excellence, we, we learned to pivot pretty quickly. And um, we found new ways to, um, to keep our brand rev- relevant and out there. Uh, but we also wanted to ensure during that critical time when the pandemic first happened, that we were also good neighbors and we became our brother's keeper. We wanted to ensure that those who were having difficult times um, getting PPE, that uh, we could provide that for them. Early on, Fawn decided that we would try to help fill the gap in regards to um, people being supplied with masks and hand sanitizer and all those things, especially our first responders. So we turned our uh, welcome center, the place where we were uh, welcome, welcoming our visitors in our, our whiskey family in for tours in 2020, we turned that into a shipping hub. And so we started sending out um, mass quantities of PPE. And um, we kept that up for, for months and months and months. And um, we put up billboards in areas of concern we supplied all of our accounts with, um, with masks, whether they were drinking Uncle Nearest or not, they all had masks and hand sanitizer. So we found other ways to, um, to continue our, 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 our business. And um, more than ever during that time, I was really proud of us being or showing that we really are more than whiskey. You know, it's it's that is not merely a hashtag for us. That is who we are. We really are more than whiskey. The whiskey for us um, certainly is important because it 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 um, it honors near green. And every time that a person raises a glass of Uncle Nearest, they are, <clears throat> they are raising a glass to history and the whiskey. Helps to support um, the Near Screen Foundation, and that foundation honors Near's descendants. So, um, we just learned to do things in a different way and um, managed to uh, turn the ship, so to speak, in regards to um, the supply chain issues uh, mm. and demand. You know, we've been out in a lot of places and uh, part of that is, is due to supply chain issues. The other part of that is, we have such a wonderful following of whiskey family that um, every time the, the bottles hit the shelves, they don't last long. And for that, I'm extremely grateful for those who continue to support us and, and, and our whiskey. So we just, you know, we've, we've learned to pivot and try to uh, navigate through whatever is thrown our way, whether it be a pandemic or um, shortages due to the pandemic. And Uh,
0: that's, that follows, uh, I mean, what is just good to hear in general, but it follows something Fawn said as well, where in Lynchburg specifically, um, just as Nearest Green's legacy, it kind of always been known in that area, Mhm. Uh and very local like it seemed like everyone kind of knew it but it was a very it was a local secret if you will an open yeah. local secret. Um the idea that you're giving back and helping out the community also seems very much uh in tune with that, you know, in a way the community helped your great grandfather's legacy continue. Of course your family took the the front role in that, but the community helped that, and uh, it seems like this is a good way to give back to the community, too, and keep that symbiotic relationship going.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and um, you know, Fawn is probably one of the most generous people that I know. Um, and she's always concerned about others. Uh, and, and, and during the pandemic, um, that was very apparent, not just to me, but to anyone who knows her. That it wasn't about um, it wasn't about just her protecting her investment in um, the the Uncle Nears brand, but um, being concerned about those who were being um, affected by the pandemic, you know, uh, and then those who were losing their jobs, being furloughed or, or laid off during that time. Um, we hired, you know, so many people. Um, joined our team during that during that crucial time, rather than uh, fond laying off or, or furloughing people, we added on instead. So, she's just um, she's a great businesswoman, and it comes from a place of goodness rather than a place of dollars. And for that, um, I think our whole team benefits because she's not led by money; she's led by. Um, she led, she's led by her heart and what, what is most important.
0: And with that, I think it's a perfect way to close that with one final topic, which is, I know you've mentioned your age many times and it's beyond not sycophantic to say, wouldn't have guessed it. Uh, but of course, legacy is, is the name of the game here. And with the legacy of, and heritage of Nearest Green going down through the Jack history. Is there a next generation being um, kind of prepped in the Uncle Nearest distillery to take over in the many years of the future when you're ready to step down?
1: Well, n- not actively prepped, but definitely conversations. Um, this is a, um, This is a family thing. Uh, blood family and uh, of course the uncle near's team. we are family. So um, definitely there there are talks and um, hopes that um, as my day comes to an end, um, someday in the long, long future, um, someone else will step in and and continue on just like with with fawn, um, mm-hmm. hopefully there will be someone else. Um, long, long time from now, who will step in and continue to lead the charge uh, in the manner in which she has started as well.
0: We'll, we'll revisit in, uh, you know, a number of years when we're around batch 500 or so, you know. That sounds
1: good to me. That, that sounds yeah, good it to sounds me. Yeah,
0: sounds right. All right. Well, is right. I think it's perfect way to, to close it out. I know we're getting towards the top of the hour. Um, stay on with me just a minute after we end recording.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And,
0: and in the meantime, uh, where could people find Uncle Nearest, you and the Nearest Green Foundation?
1: Well, uh, the Nearest Green Foundation, uh, of course, is um, it, it, it's, it's here in every, uh, with along with our distillery. You can find more about it um, both at unclenearest.com. Uh, for those who want to come to take a tour, you can find us online. Um, registered for your tour online come visit with us here in Chevyville Tennessee um, in regards to the whiskey uh, I hope that um, if you haven't been able to find it in your favorite um, beverage store or restaurant or bar that you soon will be able to do that We are uh, the trucks are rolling we're restocking everywhere um, but it is always here at the distillery so if you find yourself in Tennessee and uh, want to come down and have a tasting, a tour, uh, we would be glad to greet you at the door at, uh, at the nearest Green Distillery.
0: Fantastic. And as always, uh, give a follow to Whiskey My Wedding Ring on all the socials, Whiskey Ring on Twitter. Um, make sure to listen to the podcast uh, and visit the site for reviews and tasting notes. And it's been another episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Thank you, David.